Hey, dear saints, you're listening to Preaching Christ Crucified on Double-Edged Sword. Sermons from Pastor Kilgo, preached at Redeemer Lutheran Church in Lawrence, Kansas. We pray that as you hear God's word, you would be strengthened in faith and love and rejoice in the joy of the Lord's promises and kindness. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, holy God, just judge, you have committed to me not only the care of my own soul, but also the care of my neighbors. How often my carelessness causes great detriment to my neighbor's piety. How often I fail to rebuke my neighbor frankly and forthrightly for their sin. How often I accuse my neighbor less forthrightly of faults, held back by fear or by desire for my neighbor's favor. I am lax in praying for my neighbor's salvation. I am timid in rebuking my neighbor for sin. I am faint in the advancement of my neighbor's salvation. Thus, you most righteously are able to hold me responsible for the blood of my perishing neighbor. If my love for my neighbor were perfect and sincere, then that love would surely produce a candid and honest rebuke. If the fire of sincere love burned in my heart, then certainly it would flame more brightly as I offer the spiritual incense of prayer for my neighbor's salvation. We pray for ourselves all the time because we always are concerned for ourselves, but to ask God for the salvation of neighbor is a work of love. When I do not pray for the salvation of my neighbor, I condemn myself by a violation of the law of love. My neighbor dies a physical death, And I mourn and groan day and night, though physical death brings no harm to the godly person because it provides a transition to the heavenly kingdom. My neighbor dies a spiritual death by committing mortal sins, and I watch my neighbor die without concern. I am not grieved at all, though sin is the true death of the soul, through which comes the inestimable loss of divine grace and eternal life. My neighbor offends the king of kings, and I seek my neighbor's reconciliation by every means available. My neighbor offends the king of kings, who who alone is able to dispatch soul and body to hell, and I look on without concern. I do not consider this offense of the king to be an immeasurable evil. My neighbor stumbles on a stone, and I quickly prevent the fall or help my neighbor up from the fall. My neighbor stumbles at the cornerstone of our salvation, and I show careless neglect. Void of the concern I ought to have, I do not lift up my neighbor again. My sins are many and weighty enough, but I am still not afraid to participate in someone else's sins. Be gracious, O God. I am a great and immeasurably burdened sinner. I carry my sins and the sins of others. I flee to your mercy, which is promised to me in and through Christ. I, who am dead in sin, draw near to the one who is life. I, who am erring in the way of sin, draw near to the one who is the way. I, who because of sin am worthy of damnation, draw near to the one who is salvation. Make me alive, direct and save me for eternity, my true way, life, and salvation. Amen. These words come to us from the sainted Lutheran theologian Johann Gerhard. It's third generation. You have Luther, you have Chemnitz, and then you have Gerhard. All of them are responsible for us having a Lutheran church today. These come from a particular work of his called Meditations on Divine Mercy. And this one in particular 
is especially helpful in understanding what it is that our Lord Jesus is getting at in our text from Luke, where he says, be merciful, even as your father is merciful, etc. Now, this is one of those texts that is often greatly misunderstood and misapplied in our lives. The general application of this text is to use it to say that all acts of judging of another person is forbidden in any category, in any time, in any way. But that cannot be the meaning and the interpretation of this text for three reasons. First, it goes against the entirety of the text itself, especially the last line. First, take out the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out that is in your brother's eye. We certainly all have our sin that we must repent of. We certainly all have our specks and logs, but so do our neighbors. And just like we would hope they would help us remove the logs and specks from our own eyes, they should expect that we would do the same for them in Christian love. Second, it goes against the testimony of Scripture elsewhere. For example, in John 7, where Jesus says, Do not judge by appearances, that is, by the eye, by what you see, but judge with right or righteous judgment, that is, according to the standard of the Lord's righteousness. And third, because it goes against the requirements that the Lord gives to us to live in this life. For example, the vocation of parent in judging the actions of your children, or as Christians, in judging the godly life of others. And none of this, we should be very clear to say, means being judgmental. That is a sin. That is holding yourself above others, as being greater, not lesser, than others, as being held to a different standard than others. This is the hypocritical judgment, the, the two-faced uh, judgment. This is um, to kind of get at what hypocritical means, especially in the Gospels. You have to know kind of the history of that word. And what it originally comes about to refer to are the actors in the ancient world that would wear masks on their face to represent different characters and plays. And so what this is getting at is that you are switching these masks around to put on a different air, a different persona than who you actually are. You are being two-faced or multiple-faced, a hypocrite. This is what is being condemned very clearly here, and we should condemn this. That sort of false judgment, that judgmental spirit is wrong. Holding each other to different standards, depending on the person and holding someone to a different standard than you hold yourself. What we should do, though, is we should hold all of us to the same standards, and particularly to the standards of Holy Scripture. Now, within the world, we have the standard of the law of the land, for example, the Constitution, particular laws of Kansas or Lawrence, those are standards by which we are all held and by which we are all judged. So, for example, if you break a law, you're going to go in front of a judge and you're going to be judged guilty or not guilty on the basis of that standard. The same holds true for us as Christians. Within the entire realm of Christendom, we are held accountable according to the standard of the Lord's word. That is where we are going to have to come in front of the just judge and be declared guilty or not guilty by faith. Now, Luther, in commenting on this text, makes these sort of observations, but he makes them better than I do. So we'll hear from Luther for a minute. 
In the preceding chapter, we heard the Lord Christ follow his instruction regarding truly good works with a long sermon of warning against greed as a great hindrance to the kingdom of God in both doctrine and life, and as a deadly threat to Christendom. Now he begins a further warning directed against another great and dangerous vice called self-centered wisdom, which judges and criticizes everyone. Where these two vices are in command, there the gospel cannot remain. Greed produces either silence in the preachers or contempt and inattention for the gospel in the hearers. But if you add self-centered wisdom to it, everyone will strive to be the best preacher and his own master, listening to no one and learning from no one. To keep this sermon from becoming a stumbling block and being misunderstood as if it forbade any judgment or criticism at all, it should be clear on the basis of what has been already said so often that here Christ is preaching only to his disciples. He is not talking about all the judgment or punishment that takes place in the world. In the household, for example, the mother and father have to judge among the children and the servants. They have to administer punishment, even corporal punishment, when they refuse to behave. If a prince or judge wants to administer before his office properly, he cannot avoid judging and punishing. This is all part of the secular realm, which is not our concern here, and which will therefore permit us to act in the way we should act. You must understand this in such a way also that it does not take away the right of a man in public ministry of preaching to judge matters of doctrine as well as life. Indeed, it is incumbent on him in his office to rebuke publicly whatever does not square with true doctrine for the very purpose of preventing sex from coming in and taking hold. When he sees that life is wrong, he must likewise denounce it and resist it. He is put there to oversee this and will have to give an account of it. In fact, whenever any Christian sees his neighbor doing wrong, he has the duty of admonishing him and restraining him which is impossible without judging and passing judgment. But this is all done on the basis of an office or a commission. What is forbidden is that everyone may go ahead on the basis of his own ideas and make a doctrine and spirit of his own, imagining that he is to be master smart aleck, who is supposed to correct everybody and to criticize him, though he has no commission to do anything of the sort. These are the people that the Lord is denouncing here. He does not want anyone to undertake or to do anything on the basis of his own ideas and without a commission. Now, with this, we should also make another distinction or another aspect of this. And that is the distinction between judging somebody and making a good confession about something. Because the Lord requires us in this life and in this faith to make a good confession regarding both himself and the word before one another and before the world. And so this will require us to say things that will be received regardless of our intent and regardless of how we say them as being judgmental, and it will not matter the manner in which we say them. A faithful confession will not always be received well. At the same time, we are to always recognize our own sinfulness, our own inadequacies, and our own failures, and to confess those also. That is part of confessing the truth of the scriptures and the entirety of them. And to confess this as we do in confession, beginning of service or in private confession, and in the Lord's Prayer, and to one another privately. Now, a couple examples to see how this all works. First, if you're married, and you find out, God forbid, that your spouse has been having an affair with somebody every night, what should you say about that? Should you judge the actions of your spouse as being unfaithful and ungodly? And I would hope that we would say yes, while at the same time also 
confessing whatever sins we ourselves have committed against our spouse because they are there. Second example, as a Christian, if you confess that Jesus is the great moral teacher, but not God in the flesh who died for our sins, should we judge that confession to be false? And again, I would hope that we would say yes, while at the same time confessing that we ourselves have also failed to confess Christ rightly in our own thoughts and words and deeds. And this is what Jesus is holding up for us, that we do indeed in love toward our neighbor point out the sins that are there, while also recognizing our own and particularly doing that first, so that, in the words of Jesus, we would see rightly, we would see clearly to do this, so that we are actually using the proper uh, standard. And this is the whole point of the matter. It's why Gerhard is particularly helpful about this, to meditate on what we heard at the beginning, that we are to hold these two things in tension, the concern for our neighbor and their godly lives and their godly confession, and also refraining from setting ourselves up as being above our neighbor in terms of salvation and holiness. And those have to sit next to each other. And this should always be the concern, then, that is driving our conversations, our confessions, our corrections, our actions, that we are treating one another in Christ as the Lord himself has treated us, holding one another to the standard that our Lord holds us to. And this will produce in us particularly three things. More and more godliness in our lives and our speaking and our thoughts. Increasing genuine concern for one another and for their spiritual salvation. And a high regard for the Lord's word as the standard by which we are held and to which we are hold to hold one another. And the reason why we want to be concerned about this, why we want to, in Christian love and charity, correct and reprove and rebuke and exhort one another on the basis of the Holy Scriptures to godly living, godly lives, godly confessions, is so that we would all be drawn away from our own sins, that our sins would be placed squarely under the cross of Christ to be forgiven, so that we would recognize our own sins, which is very often difficult to do on our own. It's part of the reason why the Lord places us around other people. I think it's part of the reason why the Lord also gives us children, because they're very good at pointing out your own sin. So we'd be drawn away from that and into the Lord and his mercy and his eternal gifts with the ultimate goal that we would be brought together into the blessed and eternal resurrection. That's that has to always be our motivation for what we are doing. And that will then affect the manner in which we do it and that we will do it faithfully. May the Lord always help us in this endeavor. In the name of Jesus, amen. In the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard our hearts and our minds through Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. Thanks for listening to Preaching Christ Crucified on Double-Edged Sword, sermons by Pastor Kilgo at Redeemer Lutheran Church in Lawrence, Kansas. We'd like to invite you to join us for church, Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. 
We also have Bible study at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings and at other times throughout the week. Please visit our website at redeemer-lawrence.org for more information. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.